Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People Podcast, where we talk with experts, thought leaders, and inspiring people from around the world to empower you, dear listener, to learn, explore, and evolve in a kind, sustainable, and healthy direction all while eating the most delicious food and living your best life. I'm Michelle Kane, your co-host and founder of World of Vegan. And I'm Tony Okamoto, founder of Plant-Based on a Budget and Food Sharing Vegan. Today, we're talking about living with cancer and braving grief and the big messy emotions that happen when life falls apart with Chris Carr. 20 years ago, Chris got a shocking diagnosis that she had incurable stage four cancer with 24 tumors littering her liver and lungs. And when she was first diagnosed, she viewed cancer as a freight train to death. But now she views it as a catalyst for change. Today, two decades after her incurable cancer diagnosis, Chris is not only still here, but she has mountains of wisdom to share. Chris Carr is a multiple New York Times bestselling author, wellness activist, and cancer thriver. She's been called a force of nature by O Magazine and was named a new role model by the New York Times. She wrote and directed the documentary film Crazy Sexy Cancer for TLC, has written many books, including Crazy Sexy Cancer Survivor, Crazy Sexy Kitchen, Crazy Sexy Juice, and just came out with a brand new book called I'm Not a Morning Person, Braving Loss, Grief, and the Big Messy Emotions That Happen When Life Falls Apart. Chris is also a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100, which recognizes the most influential thought leaders today. And her work has been featured in Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Super Soul Sunday, The Oprah Winfrey Show, and so much more. Chris teaches people how to take back their health and live like they mean it. Her work will change the way that you live, love, and eat. And we couldn't be more honored to welcome her on the Plant Powered People podcast. Before we jump in, we want to give a big thank you to our sponsors of this episode, Melody Foods and Force of Nature. We love bees. You know this if you listen to the pod. So we're literally buzzing about Melody, which is the world's first plant-based honey. It's just like honey from bees, but it's better for people, better for pollinators, and better for our planet. And I'm not kidding you. It tastes just like honey from bees. I met the Melody team when they debuted at the Natural Products Expo, where they were handing out these little mini bear-shaped honey containers that were filled with their plant-based honey. And I tried it and I was absolutely floored. I met Darko, who's the co-founder, and he was just gushing with passion for saving the bees. He has so much experience in the honey industry and just felt passionate about sort of shifting where we're moving into the future in a way that helps bees in our planet. And at the expo, I continued to walk through the floor and give out these little bottles of Melody's plant-based honey to all the other company founders that I came across that are still using honey in their products. I just, I adore it. I'm so excited that they're sponsoring the podcast. Um, Their honey can be used in a one-to-one replacement for traditional honey. You can stir it into tea, drizzle it on apples, infuse it into desserts, whisk it into sauces and marinades, and just go wild. You can try Melody's Honey at select restaurants in the United States or order some for yourself, which I highly recommend, at MelodyFoods.com. It's spelled M-E-L-L-O-D-Y foods.com. And you can use our code PLANTPOWERED to get 15% off your order at MelodyFoods.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Force of Nature. They make an awesome appliance that converts salt, water, and vinegar into a super powerful multi-surface cleaner and disinfectant. 
It kills 99.9% of germs and can replace almost all of your cleaning products, including bleach, sanitizers, kitchen, glass, bathroom cleaners, deodorizers, and disinfectants. And it's an EPA-registered disinfectant that's as effective as bleach but has no harmful chemicals and residues or harsh smells. We started using Force of Nature in our home earlier this year and love that it's reusable so that we can do without single-use plastic bottles. And of course, with Eddie's well-being at the top of my list of how I make my decisions, it's very appreciated that it's animal companion friendly. Check it out at forceofnatureclean.com and you can get 40% off bundles plus free shipping with our code PLANTPOWERED. Hello, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on to the Plant Powered People podcast. It's so nice to Thanks. have you on. Thanks for having me. Chris, you were actually my first serious intro into wellness. And it's kind of crazy because when we're young and healthy, like health is the furthest thing from our minds, right? And words like disease prevention sound like something that we think about when like you're in a nursing home, like this is so far away. I don't have to worry about it. But for all of us, a time is going to come when we're no longer having the privilege or luxury of not thinking about health. And for some people, that might not come until they're like 50s or 60s at their first heart attack or whatever, God forbid, happens to people. But it's always going to happen. And for some of us, and dare I call us the lucky ones, we're triggered by some kind of traumatic health event to think about this sooner. And for me, it was ulcerative colitis. When I got diagnosed in college with ulcerative colitis, it like completely shook my life apart. But the reason I consider myself lucky for having a lifelong autoimmune disease is because every day since then, since living through like the worst of a debilitating disease, I wake up feeling so deeply grateful. Like, man, what a gift it is to wake up feeling well. And beyond like the awareness of health as a privilege and a temporary one at that, my diagnosis gifted me with the motivation to proactively seek and embrace a healthier lifestyle, healthier habits. And not only did that help potentially keep me in remission, but also that's had such a resounding positive impact on all the different facets of my life. So for you, a traumatic health event also happened quite early in your life. And your story has circled the world, inspiring like a whole generation of people, not to just accept their diagnosis feeling defeat, um, but to take as much control as they possibly can to work with their bodies to help heal and stop sleepwalking through life. So can you share that story with us? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I resonate because I remember thinking in my 20s and in early 30s that fiber is later. Fiber is boring. I will get to <laughs> fiber. But right now I am got to get busy living, getting my life together, making something of myself, bring me the, the next martini and let's drive into Burger King. Nutrition was not on my radar. If anything, diet was what I did to stay thin for my job, but it wasn't to nourish myself. And I come from an entertainment background. So you're always on camera. And then when I was 31 years old on Valentine's Day, I got a big wake up call and in the form of a stage four incurable cancer diagnosis. And so that was really the moment where the rupture happened. And I was like, wow, I 
first of all, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. This isn't something that's treatable. And I found out pretty quickly that my disease can be very aggressive, but it can also be slow growing. And what the oncologist that I ended up going with, I had to interview many doctors before I found my my second in command was he said, you know, sometimes it could be slow growing, sometimes it can be aggressive, sometimes it can change out of nowhere. We need to watch and wait and track you and let cancer make the first move. But in the meantime, you're going to go off and watch and live and start taking care of yourself. And I didn't know what that meant, right? I thought, again, fibers for old people, let me get another, you know, order of fries at Burger King. And I thought, well, you know, it's the one thing I can start to control because I felt so out of control as a newly diagnosed cancer patient with no treatment options. And I thought, well, you know what, I can participate in my health. And truth is, is that I haven't felt well in quite some time. And it's not just cancer, you know, it was my digestion was a mess. I experienced a lot of fatigue, like all these things that I thought, oh, I guess this is what 30 is. Hmm. And I thought, well, if I start here, at least I'm contributing. If I start here, at least I'm participating. And, you know, oftentimes when we're we're going through a health scare or or a serious diagnosis, we go to the doctor and they tell us, here's the medication and this is what to do. And and then, you know, you wait for the next doctor visit and, but you don't do anything for yourself in between, meaning practice self-care or any lifestyle practices that would actually help you feel better, body, mind, and spirit. And because I didn't have treatment options, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to focus on. I don't know how to do it just yet, but I'm going to figure that out. And that's how my journey began. So you got this advice to just live healthier, be healthier without much direction. So what what did you do next? How did you find that direction? Where did you look? And then how did that path unfold from there? Yeah, I had no idea. So I went to Whole Foods, which was a place I had not really been at <laughs> a lot back then. And I just put all of the vegetables in my cart. I actually didn't really understand that veg- vegetables didn't last forever, like a can of Spam. Um, <sighs> they actually have expirations and they wilt and, you know, you kind of have to get on it. And I bought books and then enrolled in classes and literally just slowly but surely started to teach myself how to first and foremost cook. And the more I researched, and thankfully, you know, I was kind of pointed in the right direction in the beginning, although I tried a lot of different things that ultimately didn't pan out. The more I focused my research, it it all came down to an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle. And I thought, okay, this makes sense. And at the heart of that was plant-based medicine. It was, you know, eating real food and whole foods, plant-based diet, not a lot of sugar, I'm really starting to heal my body, heal my gut first and foremost, and boost my immune system and just start to feel better. And the thing is, is like, for me, it wasn't about, oh, you know, I guess at one point it really was about, can I cure myself, you know, but over time it was more so, can I just feel better? Can I do my best to, you know, metabolize my food and process my food and heal my gut and get less colds and like really see a difference in my own immune system so that I know that I'm just doing what I can to strengthen my body. And that's ultimately how my practice began. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm still living with stage four cancer. It's still slow growing. And I've written a lot of books about the 
plant-based diet for patients, but also for people who don't want to be patients. And overall, I think a lot of people who come to me, they have experienced their own either warning signs, right? The stuff that keeps popping up or maybe even a diagnosis or something in, in your family that you're maybe worried that genetically you may get or f- full-blown wake-up calls when we have these opportunities to change our diet and lifestyle and really begin to take back our health or at least participate in our health. And so, you know, for the last 20 years, I've been helping myself and others on this journey. And what a journey that has been. What are the doctors saying now? Well, you know, usually what happens is I go in for my I go, originally I got scanned every year, then every two years, and then every three years, and now it's every five years, which is a real big deal for me. And it's usually just, wow, keep going. Whatever you're doing, keep going, looking good. Uh, How's your family? You know, so we we actually been together a long time now, me and my doctor. And that's, that's usually what happens, but you never know. I never know if maybe sometime I walk in there, it's going to be a different story. And if that's the case, and you know, the longer it, this goes on, thankfully, the more research is happening for my very rare disease. And at some point, there may be some sort of treatment option that I would consider. But everything up until that this point hasn't really been worth it. And so I spend most of my time not thinking about cancer, but thinking, okay, what can I do to participate in my health today? Did they like the doctors expect that this was a possible outcome? Like, is there shock there? Like to, to what degree? Because you learned a lot along your journey and you, you tried a lot of things in terms of just like optimizing your health, your body, your wellness. It's always interesting. We talk a lot about on this podcast with medical professionals and plant based doctors and. It, it can be really shocking to some doctors to even find out that, oh my gosh, eating plant-based just like lowered your cholesterol. They, they have no idea. So did you experience some of that in your journey where things you were trying, things that you were doing were just completely shocking and flabbergasting your doctors? Like we didn't think this was possible. Not necessarily. Maybe with some of the other issues that I've had along the way, because I've been lucky with a lot of health issues. But I think it's very hard to say, oh, this is the one thing that has kept this disease slow growing, because sometimes it can be slow growing. Now, so I, I'm I'm very careful. Is it the nature of my disease? Is it the nature of my choices? Is it somewhere in between? It's not something that I can give you a definitive answer about. But what I can say is I feel better now at 52 years old with stage four cancer than I did in my 30s when I was newly diagnosed. The meaning of health kind of changes and transforms based on perspective, experience, what we've been through. So after going through what you've been through in life in general, like how would you define health? What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I really appreciate that. I think we have to be really thoughtful because we live in a world where things are very black and white and we've been sort of domesticated to buy into that. So I'm either sick or I'm healthy, you know? And so at one point in my journey, I thought, well, if I'm not in remission, then I can't tell my story because that's not helpful to anybody. And I've come to understand that that's the farthest thing from the truth. And so we can have, you know, I have 12, 24 tumors on paper. Do I say I'm not healthy? No, I actually am very healthy. 
And so we may not ever be disease-free, symptom-free. We may have something that we're managing for the rest of our lives. So we want to be thoughtful about how we think about ourselves. And that's why I love this question. I would say health isn't the absence of disease. It's the presence of vitality. So do you have energy? Do you have joy in your life? Are you feeling a vibrance and a, a zest for life regardless of your situation? I'd say that's health. I love that. And I, I remember reading your book. The first book of yours that I read was Crazy Sexy Diet. And that came back out back in 2011, which is just wild because it feels like a, a month ago. Time has gone by. But there are some like really beautiful quotes in there. Is it okay if I read a quote from your book? Of course. And you can expand on it? Okay. So you say, health is freedom from obstruction. It's living in a harmonious way that creates both inner and outer peace change the menu, rewrite the recipe, and break bad habits before they break you. The perception that optimum well-being is beyond our reach enables us to avoid taking responsibility for our lifestyle choices. But when you focus on what you consume, literally, like food and drink, and figuratively, our thoughts, ideas, gossip, bad reality TV, your world transforms at the deepest level. I really loved that. It's just so much of your work helps people shift their perspectives and gives people the reminder, the nudge, the confidence to be proactive in creating lives that we really love and feel good about. Do you have any advice like that you've learned or experienced since then for people, especially if they're getting a diagnosis or if they have loved ones with a cancer diagnosis or anything like that to just support the mindset there? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, everybody, when they have a, a new diagnosis, we go into fight or flight and freeze and WTF because it's very scary. And we human beings, we search for certainty in an uncertain world. And these things can be very destabilizing. And so I like to start by saying, if you have experienced that, or if someone you know has experienced that, or if that happens in the future to you, is to just stop and take a deep breath right? We think we have to rush and figure it out immediately and the stakes are so high. And even when they are high, take a beat, take a moment. You don't have to make big decisions in this exact minute. What we have to do is really just ground ourselves. And this is a, a really important time to start to tend to our inner lives and, and really befriend ourselves in a way because I'd say going the distance with anything, it, it's very important for you to make the decision that you're going to have your own back. Right? People come, people go, doctors come, doctors go, good news, bad news. But at the end of the day, you've got your own back. You're not going anywhere. You're going to show up for yourself. And building that solid relationship is probably the, the biggest uh, victory I've had in the last 20 years. It's not still being alive. It's still having my own back, still standing for myself, still being kind to myself and saying, good morning, Chris, another wonderful day. Thank you, body, for giving me this day. Off we go, you know, and that mentality alone helps me thrive in good times and helps me survive in difficult times. You wrote several books based on your journey and all that you learned through it. Crazy Sexy Cancer Tips, Crazy Sexy Cancer Survivor, and your book, Crazy Sexy Diet, where you created a blueprint for 
helping people get a fast track to vibrant health. What are the most impactful nuggets of wisdom or health advice from your book that still ring as essential today as they did when you wrote the book? That's a really good question. I haven't read that book in quite some time, but (laughs) I love what you all read because I was like, oh, that's a good one. I got to come back to that one. (laughs) You know, what I, if I were to distill it down now, you know, I think about all of those books, and those books are very wellness focused, as I said, for patients and people who don't want to be patients, is I, I teach what I call the five pillars of wellness. And they're very simple because I think when we complicate health, we, oftentimes we lose people because we uh, we can be really hard on ourselves. Like if I don't do it right, why bother? If I'm not 100% plant-based and doing all the things and the self-care to-do list that goes on for 37 years, why bother? And I believe that good enough is good enough. We got to get in the game. Right? We have to take away the barriers that keep us from caring for ourselves. And so part of why I created this very simple structure of the five pillars is so people don't feel intimidated by health, intimidated by wellness, like it's for the special people, not you. No. And so the five pillars are basically about optimizing or at least being mindful about what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're thinking, and how you're resting and renewing. Now, in those books, I might not have said it that way. But I've been doing this a long time. As I said, that's how I lay it out now. And all of that philosophy is what I learned on this journey and what I've written about. It's just, I distill it a little differently. So when it comes to those pillars, being mindful of what you're eating, drinking, thinking, and how you're resting and renewing, eating, are we eating plants, right? Even if we're not 100% plant-based, Are we getting our recommended daily allowance of fruits and vegetables or maybe eating a healthy smoothie because we don't like the kitchen we don't want to cook or we don't, we feel intimidated by the kitchen. Well, you know what? Can we make that healthy smoothie with the vitamins, minerals, enzymes, oxidant, you know, all of the healthy fats and protein and and just like get it in once a day without fail. Can we do that? Sure. Are we drinking enough water? Are we paying attention to our thoughts, right? Making sure that... We're spending time in a, a, a place where we're nurturing our thoughts and not just letting our thoughts t- take us into fear-based thinking and a lot of habitual anxiety and being really tough on ourselves. Because again, if the root of this is an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle, one of the biggest causes of inflammation is stress. Maybe it's stress from our jobs, or maybe it's literally stress from how we're treating ourselves, how we're speaking to ourselves. Kale is easy. It's the thoughts that are a little harder is what I've come to understand. And then resting and renewing, getting enough sleep and moving our bodies. So simple, simple stuff. And are we kind of looking at those pillars and saying, more often than not, I'm caring for them. I don't have to do it perfect. I don't have to set the bar so high that it's like, why bother? But did I take that 10-minute walk today? Yeah, awesome. I drink enough water? Yeah, awesome. Did I have my smoothie? Fantastic. When I felt myself getting super stressed out, did I say, hey, babe, you're okay. Forgive yourself. Let's get back on track. Take a deep breath. Yeah, awesome. Now, did I tuck myself in and create a little bedtime routine like I would a, a toddler? Or did I just you know, stay up way too late, kind of letting my eyeballs stray and watching TV and the news? or? Did I really say, okay, wait a minute, it's time to wind down. It's really important for me to to prioritize sleep because that's where I get 
an opportunity to refuel my tank. So again, simple stuff, common knowledge, but not always common practice. It's so true. I remember when I learned like with being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which you have forever, I'm on medication forever. Like it's just going to be a part of my life. I've been in clinical remission for seven years, but it could come back at any time. And one of the things that they say, they know very little about what triggers it back into um, flare. But one of the things that they do feel is associated is stress. And it's very hard to understand in our brains how something in our mind, how our mood, how our feelings, how our level of stress can impact our body. But it so clearly uh, through science does. And so I've been also on a mission to just like let things go, be stress-free. And it's fascinating how aside from like losing a very close loved one or something like that, Almost everything, if you make the decision to just be like, it's fine, you know, <laughs> whatever happens, it's fine. If you have that mindset, it can be fine. Like, it's usually fine. Usually we're fine. <laughs> if we're here, we're alive, we're fine. And so that's been really impactful in my life, just making that decision to not stress. And you also see it ripple to those around you. Cause like, even in work, I have a team and like, that's, it's never stress. Like, ah, this happened. This, you know, like our entire social media account got deleted, whatever it is, like, whatever, no big deal. Don't worry. No stress. And if you're not sending that to other people, it's just like kind of this ripple of one element of wellness that goes out in the world. And it was really great to see you model that through your books and your various speaking endeavors. So thank you. Thank you for helping to model not being stressed in life. <laughs> well, look, I want to come and work for you because you've got it figured out. I I, <laughs> I love I love that. I'm on I'm gonna be join your team. I will say that I for my practice, I focus more so on managing my stress because I get stressed out. I get anxious. I fall into fear-based thinking for very good reasons. Like there's a reason why we can't, I say this in my new book, we can't amputate any of our emotions and expect to be whole. Fear mm -hmm. and anxiety serve an ev evolutionary purpose. There's a reason why we have those feelings. And when it comes to stress, societal stress, financial stress, stress that comes from an illness, as you mentioned, stress that comes from a loss of a loved one, that's a very real thing. And more often than not, if we don't have the ability to say, hey, you know what? Lighten up, take a beat, let's slow the roll, <laughs> let's take a pause and, you know, take a breath so we can kind of calm our nervous systems. If we're not able to 100% eradicate the stress, that's not the point. The point is, are we willing to work with it? Do we even know that we have it? Do we understand the triggers? Do we understand the emotions that are that we're experiencing? Can we actually articulate them and call them out? And then can we choose to use some of the tools that we've cultivated, like mindfulness or like taking, like I said, taking a deep breath, or maybe I, I often talk about this as like breaking brain rot. You know, if you've ever been in a really anxious state and you start ruminating and you start catastrophizing, you realize that like, wait a minute, I can't always solve the problem of my mind freaking out with mm -hmm. my mind. It might mean that I need to change the channel, go for a quick walk, like really change my physical state so that I can get into a new posture, basically. And 
for me, what happens is that all of the emotions take place and all of the experiences take place, but I have ways to respond to them. I love that. It's interesting. Tony and I were recently talking with Dr. Michael Greger about lifespan and he reframes it as health span. So how long you're living, feeling healthy, feeling well, like able to do things. But I think taking it the next step further is like joy span or happy span or like whatever is like fulfillment span, like really taking life in whatever state it is, because we really, I mean, we, you know, we have some control over it. We have not control over a lot of it. And so it is a practice. I know like when I get really sick, I can get super sick for like nine months and I just don't want to leave my house. I don't want to do anything. I'm tired. I'm lethargic. I'm running to the bathroom all the time. Like it's not fun. And I just want, I want to like fast forward through that part of life. So there's the, it's an actual practice. And you see some people who are so, so gifted at continuing to live, even when life is fiercely imperfect (laughs) and painful and all of the things. And yeah, I don't know if you have any tips for that to share, but I think that is, if you can learn to keep really living, even when life is super hard, that's a gift you get a lot from. Yeah, that's beautiful. And thank you for sharing that, especially with your own real lived experience. I think that that's when we have an opportunity to develop more stress hardiness, right? Mm -hmm. Because especially if you're going through a long bout of a flare, of course, all of the frustration comes up and the fatigue comes up and maybe even the why me comes up and I would assume anger comes up. You know, I've had my own issues with autoimmune problems and and it can, it can be, you start to close in on yourself a little bit, or at least that's been my experience. And usually when I'm in that place or when I have to go the distance with something, it really helps to slow it way down, you know, not Put, put too much energy into what I can't do, more so like, okay, what are the things that I can do? And instead of taking it like one day at a time, I, I'm like, oh no, I got to take micro steps here. This is like one step at a time. And just staying in that practice of having compassion for myself and my body, this is where I am now. It may not be forever, but this is where I am now. And this way of thinking really does help me become more stress hardy, help me manage the roller coaster of symptoms and pain and, and mental stress that comes with something like a, an illness. You have a new book, I'm Not a Morning Person, Braving Loss, Grief, and the Big Messy Emotions That Happen When Life Falls Apart. Can you tell us a little bit about that in brief? Yeah. So this book I wrote during the pandemic and it, it was inspired by coming up against my 20 year cancerversary. The, you know, we were all shut in and at home. My business was struggling and my dad was dying of stage four cancer. So he Oof. had been diagnosed in 2016 and he passed in 2020. And what I realized was, is the one thing that I did not have a lot of tools and skills around was grief. And that's why it's called I'm Not a Morning Person, Morning as in Grieving Morning. And it, is, it was a place I didn't want to go. But I realized that I had a lot of old grief, a lot of deep grief, grief from certain adversity in my life, but also from unresolved trauma and grief from my own diagnosis, even though 
I've built a beautiful life. You know, you think it's going to go one way and then it takes a very different turn. And there's like a grieving for what life, what I thought life would be. And so when he got sick and then he became terminal, I realized that something that my therapist said to me was so poignant. She said, you know, when the grief train pulls into the station, it brings all the cars. Grief doesn't happen in isolation. It brings up old stuff, but also trauma that might be unresolved. And also these big, messy emotions that we don't always know how to navigate and can really knock us out. Stuff like anger and, you know, shame and you, you name it. It's this tough stuff. And I thought, each and every one of us is going to have a rupture. It's that moment where the rug gets pulled out from under you and you don't think you're going to survive. Or if you do, life will never be the same. It could be the divorce. It could be the job loss. It could be the miscarriage, diagnosis, and so on. And we need tools to learn how to pick up the pieces and really survive these storms, whether it be some self-care tools to help us become more stress-hardy and self-compassionate or the tools of understanding our emotions more and becoming more emotionally illiterate so that we can tend to our emotions and tend to our our hearts that actually really need mending. And this is a piece of wellness and it's a very big piece, but so often these are the places we don't want to go. But all the kale in the world and all these wonderful self-care practices, I believe, do kind of diddly squat <laughs> if we are still really suffering. And so sometimes we need to lean into our courage or we're called to or invited to lean into our courage to do an even deeper level of healing. And it doesn't have to be scary and isolating. It doesn't have to be something that we dread and avoid. But unfortunately, we live in a society where most of that stuff gets shelved, gets brushed under the rug, because a lot of us are grief illiterate because that's we just haven't been given these tools or or big messy emotions of verse, right? We we run from our anger or we feel very shameful about it or any number of things that my grandmother used to call unbecoming emotions, right? Especially for women. And so this book is filled with stories and resources and tools to help us navigate some of those life storms when they come, because they will, because that's the nature of life. And my hope is that it normalizes this conversation and it helps more people do that heart tending work that I just talked about. Your book hits so close to home with me. I am a master suppressor, <laughs> sweep under the rugger, <laughs> just hardy through and then get the work done and ignore all of the stuff that hurts. And for me, like I've been able to do that for most things in my life, but it's not healthy, right? Like that's, you might not even be feeling stressed, but that, you know, can mess your body up too. But then like, for me, I got to a point where when I lost my best friend and my birth father in an instant, I, you don't know how to handle it. And you don't like no one gets it. No one really understands how you're feeling. And there's not resources. And for me, that's when I eventually a year later started therapy for the first time, which now I just love therapy for all reasons. (laughs) Grief or not, it's the best. But even just I remember my first session, my therapist said, like, when's the last time you ran? Because I told him I used to run. And I said, well, you know, not not till 
before my birth father passed away and we used to run together. And he's like, you need to go for a run. And just going for a run was like the first time my brain was alone with itself and not trying to do other things to cover up the pain and the grief. Mm. And it was both hard because like it was one of those touch points with the person that I lost that was like so intense. Like the first time you do anything without someone that you used to do with them, it's like really, really intense. And after you've done it like 20 times alone, that intensity fades away. And sometimes they even fade out of that picture. But I was so intense and it was so healing. And like just that one tip, I was like, I'm sold on therapy forever. Like it's so simple. But I would love to hear from you some of your top tips for people for handling grief or working through grief or just even tuning into it. What would you share as the like the most essential tips you've learned and figured out? Yeah, well, it's still an evolving process. And each chapter of the book kind of goes through a different layer and a different level and I don't, things that came up for me and, and that, that I've done a lot of research on. I would say, you know, there is no moving on, there's moving through. And I referenced earlier where we live in a society that's very binary, it's very black and white, like this happened, it's over, and we moved on. And that, that's not how it works, especially when we go through a big rupture or a big loss. And that person, especially if you're talking about the death of a loved one, the other side of grief is love. And just as though we don't want to not have love in our life, we can't expect to have love or want love or champion love and say, hey, I'll take the rainbow, but not the rain, hmm. right? Because we are mortal. And unfortunately, life doesn't always work out the way we want it to work out. And so to basically welcome your grief as a part of yourself, knowing that it's not going to take you down. More often we avoid this because we're afraid that if we start to feel a little bit, if we let those we waves of grief in that will drown. But I think that overall, what I've come to realize is that the only way out is through allowing this to move through us and knowing that there are seasons of life where it's going to feel more alive than others. But I'm never going to be over the loss of my father never going to be over the loss of certain other people or experiences or you know things that have happened in my life but can i move through those experiences you know the psychologist carl jung has a beautiful description of i think what the healing process is which is like he says that we orbit through the same themes our entire life and with each orbit we reach a new layer of meaning and for me that mechanism of orbiting is the mechanism of our healing, of our growth, of our evolution. And so, you know, the biggest thing that I could say to people is don't be afraid of your feelings and allow yourself to really have them and know that you have the power to navigate through them. And with that willingness and that curiosity and that courage, that's where you get to know yourself. And as I said before, begin to really befriend yourself and have your own back saying, I can feel it all and I can literally keep living. I love that. I feel like in many instances of my life, I just feel like I'm immune to things. I assume my body will be healthy. 
I take that for granted. I assume I'll never get burnt out as like an advocate for the world. And then I realize, oh my God, you can, can't go 24 seven for two decades on end without burning out. At least you think it'll never happen to you. And then it happens. And you assume you can keep brushing things under the rug or like just not letting what you're feeling deep, deep down out or uh, mm-hmm. like handle it. And you think it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But that's always there until we go through it, like you're saying. And it's so it's so powerful. And thank you so much for creating so many resources to help people get through these. Like it's the hardest part of life, right? Is is the deep, deep grief that we feel. Like it's, it's worse than injuries, trauma, anything like piercing your heart, <laughs> like doesn't get much, much harder than that. So thank you so much for all that you share on that front. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Are there any other transformative tips or advice that you'd like to share on any topic from your life experience that could be helpful for people? Yeah, I mean, geez, I want to keep going. I would say that let's go back to something we touched on earlier, which is most of us, we have a rough idea of some of the things that would be useful, whether it be self-care practices, dietary choices, maybe some mental health work that we've touched on, what be it therapy or diving into some of the the practices and resources that I'm writing about and sharing about. But often we stop ourselves because we think if I don't do it perfectly or if I if I don't have the perfect environment or once this really big thing in my life is over, then I'll dive into that. And so we, we kind of keep putting it off. Or we say, yeah, I can't possibly do it now because, like I said, I won't be able to do it well. And that putting off is what keeps us in a place of being stuck. And it keeps us from truly feeling our best and and living the lives that we want to live. And so if you find yourself in that place, I really mean when I say lower the bar, lower your standards, good enough is good enough it's very important that we start to make these choices slowly, evenly, consistently, or, or even if that word consistent is triggery to you, just more often than not. It's like I have a motto in my community and we, we say turtle power, right? It's slow and steady wins the race. And I think that that's a really healthy approach when it comes to your wellness, your mental health. And, and I have find, found in my own life that, that that slow and steady approach is what cultivates more consistent joy. I bet a lot of people who are listening to this and who are stepping into plant-based eating can really relate to that even on just that level. But to think about it beyond why we're usually here on the podcast talking about is really powerful. And thank you so much for coming on to our show. Where can people connect with you and what resources are you most eager to share that can be helpful and even life-changing to our audience? Oh, yeah. Well, chriscar.com is my home where I live. And on Instagram, I'm crazy sexy Chris. And my new book probably is the, you know, that's the biggest thing happening right now. So I'm not a morning person, which you can get in bookstores and you can also find on my website. And beyond the many resources that you have that are fabulous, are there any others that you consider musts for people to explore like documentaries, books, and other experts to check out? 
pretty much everybody I'm sure you have interviewed. Like <laughs> you are doing such good work in the world. Just dive into their back catalog. Oh, Thank you. That. Thank you again for coming on. We're going to make sure we load up our show notes with all of the ways to find you and connect with you and be inspired by you. We're so appreciative that you've you've come on today to chat with us and our audience. And just thank you so much for all the good work you do in the world. Right back at you. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Chris is very inspiring and I am so loving her book. I cannot wait for our listeners to get their hands on it and dig more into her work. She has had such an incredible journey and outlook on her life. And I'm really grateful to have had her on the Plant Proud People podcast today. I also just love her vibe. She's so calm and peaceful and talking to her is like a dream. So love, 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 Chris. Reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode. We have Melody, the world's first plant-based honey. You have to try it. It's so, so good. And you can get 15% off your order at melodyfoods.com. That's M-E-L-L-O-D-Y foods.com with our special code plantpowered and Force of Nature's earth-friendly multi-surface cleaner, which you can find at forceofnatureclean.com. And you can get 40% off of bundles and free shipping with our special code plantpowered. We just love that you're listening here on the podcast. And if you'd like to connect with us further on other platforms, we are all over the place. You can find recipes galore at plantbasedonabudget.com and worldofvegan.com, where we also have lots of vegan living guides for pretty much any topic you can imagine. We're always working to create helpful and inspiring content for you on Instagram, where you can find us at plantbasedonabudget and at vegan. And thank you so much for joining us here today. If you'd like to support this show, there are two things you can do that would mean the world to us and help this podcast reach even more people with the plant-powered advice. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We super duper love reading those. And if you have a few dollars to spare, you can support the show and help us to create even more over on Patreon at patreon.com slash plant-powered people. Love you all so, so much. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Bye.